Jal, welcome to Fulham. How does it feel now that the deal is done? Hello, uh, I'm very, very glad uh, to be here. Um, it's a big opportunity for me, for my career to, to play, in, in my opinion, the best uh, league in the world. I have, uh, I signed with a, a great club. Um, the club want me and I want the, and I choose the, the club. So I promised the, the fans that I will do my best. Um, and uh, I hope so we, we, we can, we can win so many things in this season. What made you want to come to Fulham? Marcus, the coach, is important for me because he wants me. Um, it's uh, of course we want, we want to work with uh, the coach. Know me because he he training in sporting when I I was young and but he knows me. Um, so it's one of the parts that are, that are very important in this uh, in this deal. So. I'm very glad and uh, I hope so we do a, a fantastic work this season. And when Marco was at Sporting, um, as you say, you were a young player, but did you have many interactions with him that year? Yes, sometimes, not, uh, not a lot, but sometimes I know him. I know him. Um, when he, he, he played in the, the first team, in the, he trained in the first team in Sporting. I played with the, the Team B. I, I think I, I was 90 years old in and uh, but he know me and uh, he he see my my work in sporting this year so um i like the 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 system that he play here too it's uh, very things are good in this uh, in this um, my choice so i'm very glad Bom dia, boa tarde. Welcome to another episode of the portuguesesoccer.com podcast. I'm your guest host, John Neves, back here again to talk about my favorite subject, your favorite subject, and that is, of course, Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, whatever word you use in your part of the world. Episode 125, and glad to be back. Uh, was not, did not do a uh, podcast episode last week. Um, I intended to do one, but um, I, uh, you know, last week was, of course, a uh, holiday here in North America. I also had to do uh, some traveling and between finding the time to do it, uh, it just didn't quite work out. But i kind of glad maybe that I didn't do it because it gave me a chance to take a little bit of a break, freshen up my memory and uh, come right back here to talk to you uh, two weeks later. So uh, to get ready to get going. And let me tell you, there's a lot to talk about. Um, two things I want to talk about. One is the sorteo, the Liga draw that just took place this week. Obviously, a lot to talk about at this time of the year with regards to the uh, transfer window, players that have already left. How come certain players that are in the press all the time and haven't left? We've got Portuguese managers that are being hired. A uh, few things have happened uh, since I last did this uh, episode two weeks ago. Um, and we've got some surprising names as well that um, are, uh, have, don't have a job yet, like uh, Nani and Coresima that come to uh, mind. Uh, surprised they haven't found an opportunity in uh, Portugal. And then, of course, a big three and Braga update. But first, let me start off like I always do with the upcoming schedule. And uh, we do have some football this week and some soccer. First off, the Portuguese women's national team will be playing in the Euro. Saturday, they will be playing Switzerland. 
Wednesday, they will be playing Holland. So the women's national team is in action this week. So if you're looking for any football, uh, I really encourage you to go out of your way and uh, check them out because I think that'll be uh, pretty good to watch. And after all, they are playing in a European championship. And um, a lot of people hope that uh, women's football in Portugal is going to be on the rise. Uh, watching this team reminds me a lot of watching Portuguese football back when I was, as far as I can remember, as a kid going back to late, late 80s and uh, 90s when back then Portugal was not a big deal, but eventually the generation came up and made it into what it is today where they practically qualified for most of the tournaments with the exception of one or two going back to the uh, early uh, 90s. Uh, you also, by the way, have uh, Ashley preseason football this weekend. Um, I could tell you right now that the first match that I know of is actually on Friday when I drop this episode. Gazapia is going to be playing uh, Sheffield United. Sheffield United is in uh, Portugal and Algarve doing their camp. And then we've got a number of matches on uh, Sunday. A lot of them aren't being televised. Some of them are probably closed-door scrimmages, as we say, or perhaps in your part of the world, training matches. Uh, we've got Vizela playing uh, Braga. you got Riuav playing Braga B. You've got uh, also, uh, they must be, pl well, they're playing two matches in the same day, splitting the team. Riuav playing Tundel on Saturday. We've got Maritimu versus Maritimu B also playing on Saturday. Oli Verence playing Passos de Ferreira with Sergio Peixoto as manager. Um, and then off, you also have a match that's being played in Alcochet, and that is, of course, Sporting playing B-Sod. And Benfica, who is heading this weekend to England, they're scheduled to play a closed-door match uh, in England uh, at uh, St. George's, and they'll be playing uh, Reading in a bit of an, I, I'm pretty sure it's a, a closed-door uh, match. And then you've also got Burti Munins. As well, on uh, Saturday, they are playing against Monaco. So I guess uh, the two matches playing teams outside of Portugal with Gazapia playing Sheffield United and uh, Portimonense playing uh, Monaco. And then, of course, you've also got Benfica and Reading. And then, of course, uh, pretty much throughout the week, um, you've got other matches that are going on. So uh, I'll be uh, tweeting a lot of that stuff out as we start to get more results. So there is football this weekend. In terms of the uh, women's national team, and then obviously we've got uh, the teams now kind of starting up. Just about everybody in Portugal, first and second division, has already started uh, training. They've done their medicals already. Right now it's really about trying to fill out your squad with regards to what you're trying to do in the transfer market. And obviously also trying to make sure these players get in shape. I know Porto is already in Algarve. Sporting's going to be heading to Algarve. And like I said, England... Uh, Benfica will be in England, and uh, Braga, I believe, is staying domestically from the last I heard, as is uh, Vitoria, the Guimarães. Um, then you've got some teams like in the second division, like I talked about two weeks ago, like uh, Sporting Covilla, um, who are going to literally be staying at home because they just don't have the resources uh, to have a, a stage to go away for, you know, nine to ten days and do a, a preseason uh, camp. So there is football this weekend. And I encourage you to check it out. And we also had the uh, the Liga the draw this week for the first and second uh, division. Uh, my thoughts are pretty simple. I think Sporting kind of has it very tough playing away uh, week one against uh, Braga. Um, and then right after that, uh, week three, which is they'll be going back up north to play uh, Porto. So right off the bat, 
In terms of the big four in Portugal, Sporting's got to play two of the four, two of the three top teams in Portugal outside of them, and uh, those are both taking place in August. So right off the bat, I think it gets pretty tough for them. Porto, uh, they basically have an interesting, but they have three matches at home within the first uh, ten matches of the Liga. They play Sporting week three. They play Braga at home week five, and then. Uh, they're playing at week 10 at home, the big Clásico against Benfica. So three of their bigger matches within the first 10 matches they play in Liga. But it's all at home in the Dragon, which means when they play that second half of the season, they're going to have to hit the road to uh, play these teams. And even though I know, of course, as we know, Porto had that big streak last year that was snapped at Braga of 58 matches without a loss, um, I think that's pretty tough. So I think Sporting has it the toughest to start the season. And I think for me, one would say that maybe Porto has it the easiest with the fact that they've got three matches within the first 10 against the biggest clubs in Portugal. But that does not set up well for the uh, second half of the season. Benfica, it's interesting. They don't really have it that tough within the first uh, 10 weeks of the uh, season. Um, they play their first in terms of a Braga, uh, you know, Porto or Sporting, they don't play any of those teams until week 10. Uh, late in October, uh, they go to play at uh, Porto, and then um, they uh, they don't play another tough opponent. Uh, I think it's the first match after the World Cup is done until the end of uh, December against uh, Braga. So this gives Benfica an opportunity, if you think about it, um, you know, again, none of the Liga matches are that easy, but in terms of playing the real Giants, it enables them to really concentrate in August on trying to qualify for the Champions League group, and that's probably a, a bit of an advantage for uh, Benfica. Again, they're going to say that it's not in, in, in all this type of stuff, but I think uh, the fact that, uh, you know, Sporting and, and uh, Porto and Braga have it really tough during the first two months of the season Whereas Benfica doesn't really get going playing any of the big teams until we get to that uh, third week of October. And um, it was a nice ceremony. Uh, they did it again in uh, Porto. And um, the only thing I found interesting with the draw, um, and I know they don't do this with the NFL or the NHL or Major League Baseball. I know they don't do this with MLS. And those you might listen to this and say, well, who cares what they're doing? Uh, this is Portugal. But I found that interesting that the David Carmo transfer announcement happened right in the middle of the draw. I think it happened at around 1920 is when they announced it. I mean, media had been saying earlier in the day it was going to happen, but then eventually Porto announced it. I know like the NFL is very careful that there be no big announcements uh, during the uh, playoffs. They want the playoffs to take attention or whatever event they're doing. So I thought that was uh, pretty interesting um, that uh, they announced that while the uh, draw was going on separately. But again, um, it's probably a Portuguese thing, but I know where I come from, and, and having worked in sports, people try to avoid uh, conflicts uh, when they uh, do that. So that's your draw. And by the way, I get a lot of people that ask me about schedules and when they come out. And the good news is you know in terms of week one um, who is going to be playing where in week two. And, uh, you know, for instance, uh, if, you know, if you look at uh, the Portuguese uh, the first week of the season – um, you know, people ask me all the time, like, you know, how can I find out? And what's going to happen is, is, you know, we just had the draw this week. Within the next two weeks, you'll start to hear about dates. Uh, it'll probably be leaked earlier by the press. Uh, and then the clubs will make the announcement about their times. 
But generally, the Liga makes a big announcement. They usually announce like the first five weeks of the season or four weeks at a time. But eventually, you will hear about the schedule. But what I tell people all the time when they travel is, you know, if you want to see... Well, first of all, if you're a fan of a team, you obviously want to go see that particular team. In other words, if you're going to watch you know, sporting, then you're going to want to be up north at Braga that first weekend. If you want to watch Porto, then you got to try to get tickets because Porto's playing at home. And then you've got, of course, Benfica at home uh, to watch uh, the, uh, you know, they're also playing at home. So people ask me, well, what if I just want to go see a game? Well, the best chance is to see a game uh, the first week would probably be up north because Rio Ave is at home against Vizela. Uh, Gil Vicente is at home against Passos de Ferreira. That's always a good match. Braga's home against Sporting. And then, of course, you've also got Porto at home against Meritimo. So you've got four opportunities pretty much in the first week to watch uh, matches. And I think that, you know, if you're trying to increase your chances, those would be the, you know, to stay up north that first weekend. Now, don't forget, this is peak summer for Portuguese travel a lot of people go on vacation in Portugal, particularly the immigrants. And I know a lot of people, especially where I'm from, Marcos de Valvez, that go out of their way, man, to go see, uh, especially all the Porto fans up there. And I know a lot of people that make the long trip to Lisbon sometimes from Marcos de Valvez and come back in the middle of the night. A lot of people go to the matches, so tickets are not going to be that easy. Um, you know, there is possibility. Um, I know Saucius and season ticket holders tend to also get uh, first crack at the tickets because obviously they're paying for the privilege. But uh, in my opinion, um, it's tough. <clears throat> it's going to be very tough, but you got to pay attention to the club announcements for tickets. If you know somebody that can go to Porto for you or to Braga, if you want to see Braga sporting, or if you know somebody that can go to the Luge for you, that's in Portugal. And obviously I'm referring to the people outside of Portugal because I get so many emails about that and I want to help them. Uh, you may want to have somebody that sets you up to buy a ticket. I know they also sell tickets online, but I hear that goes very quickly. So you just got to basically, number one, if you want to go see a game, the uh, region up north is your best chance because you've got four Division One matches up north. If you want to see Benfica, then obviously that first week, which you're talking about the second week in August, all you got to really do is be in Lisbon and to try to uh, get a ticket. But um, again, like I said, tickets are going to be tough. Uh, the best time to go see matches is probably like October, November, December, uh, once you get into January, February, March, because... A lot of the immigrants, and I say that because there's a lot, especially up north, go back home to France, Switzerland, United States, Canada, Australia. And then as a result, when you watch matches sometimes, especially with the smaller clubs, you'll see that they don't have as big of attendances. And that's because, again, a lot of interest in the league, and not to mention the fact that that is the tourist peak season. So keep that in mind. And by the way, even if you don't get a chance, because, you know, Porto is going to be a tough ticket. Braga Sporting Week 1 is going to be a tough ticket. You know, Benfica is going to be a very hot ticket that first week at home. Um, you know, when uh, Benfica is playing at home against the Roca, uh, it's going to be tough. And even when, uh, you know, you have that Clásico in week three uh, with, uh, you know, Porto Sporting, that's going to be a very tough, tough, difficult, you know, tough, tough uh, ticket to get. So keep that in mind when you go. And that's why I say a lot of times is if you can't go to one of the big matches, go to one of the smaller clubs because they could always use the support. It is first division football. And the future stars that eventually wind up at the big three are Braga. It's usually where you go see those players before they become uh, stars. Um, you know, that's a suggestion. And, you know, the second division, by the way, because obviously uh, July the 30th, you have the Super Cup between Porto and Tundela and Aveiro. 
And then the week after, that second weekend of August is when the Liga starts, and eventually the, you know, the announcements will be made. But even the second division, you've got some pretty good matches, FC Portubi against Cuvilla. You've got Trofins at home up north against B-Sad. Benfica B will be playing the Seychelles against Academico do Viseu. Um, so you have a lot of matches. Feirense is playing what I will, you're going to be hearing a lot from me, Torrense, with all the family I have in Torres Vedras. Uh, they'll be playing. Um, it's probably going to be difficult for me to get to that match all the way down in Algarve. But if you're in Algarve, there's a good match to go to. So those are my thoughts on the Sorteo, the Liga draw. It's done with, and I think we should all be uh, very happy. And now we just got to wait for the particular dates of the match. But it goes without saying, they usually play it from that Friday through Monday. So good luck planning. And uh, any questions or advice, you know where to hit me up, psoccer.com, uh, portuguesesoccer.com, or hit me up on Twitter. And I'll try to best uh, drive you, to, well, give you the best advice to go where you're going. Um, transfer market news. I've uh, been very busy the last two weeks. Obviously, João Palinha going to Fulham. We know about Vitinha going to PSG, and both of these clubs, by the way, put together some really nice videos. Check them out on uh, the PSG and Fulham Twitter accounts. Uh, kind of the first day of each of those players and meeting everybody and starting to train. They did a really nice job with the introductions of those players. Uh, we saw uh, Fabio Carvalho, a Portuguese player, reporting uh, to Liverpool. Obviously, one of the biggest uh, moves we saw was Porto after losing João Victor to Benfica, and they did lose to them because all the news reports in the beginning were Porto, 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 and, um, you know, Braz goes to um, Brazil and manages to convince them, and now this center back from Corinthians, uh, João Victor, is going to be playing for uh, Benfica. But, but that kind of forced, and it did, because Porto at that point had no reinforcements yet for Porto to spend, which is a Portuguese domestic record, $20 million, um, for David Carmo from Braga, who I think is going to be a fantastic player already with the national team pool, pool the Seleção, um, a great player and uh, becomes a very big uh, transfer. And if you remember the last episode, I talked about saint Juan Nance had 10% of David Carmo's rights and that Braga was trying to buy out that last 10%. Braga bought out that last 10% from saint Juan Nance for 950000 So that club in the third division... Just got a big boost of money thanks to David Carmo's uh, sale. But uh, Carmo goes to Porto. Uh, good deal, I think, for uh, Porto to get him. Um, and I think, uh, you know, if you're Braga, Braga again, all the biggest domestic transfers. Uh, this one, uh, Rafa going uh, to Benfica, Paulinho going to Sporting. They've all been uh, Braga players. And we might have another one very soon with Ricardo Huerta going uh, to Benfica. And uh, Braga in the last six years has made $83 million, according to the press, uh, just on selling their players to the big three in the last six years, $83 million. And again, just like Portuguese clubs play it tough with European clubs when they want their players, Braga's doing the same thing with the big three, and I think they managed to uh, do it very well. But they got to find a way to translate that money, even though I know they've lost some good players, to translating those players into uh, type of players are going to enable them, them to compete for a, a Champions League uh, spot. Uh, other news that doesn't make uh, big news but deserves it, we saw uh, Steven Vitoria, Canadian international, uh, Portuguese. Uh, he's going to, uh, you know, he's, he of course uh, you know, got relegated with uh, More Dance, but he's back in the first division. He's going to be playing uh, for Desportivo do Chaves, who just got obviously, of course, uh, promoted. Um, Steven Estacchio, 
uh, Porto officially announced that they triggered his uh, purchase option for Bastos de Ferreira. So two of Canada's uh, good players for the Canadian national team are both going to be playing in Portugal again uh, next year. We saw other news. Juan Moutinho extended his contract by one year with uh, Wolves. We saw uh, Jota. You know, after weeks and weeks of speculation, it finally happened. Celtic triggered his 7.5 million uh, clause, and he's going to now be playing full-time, and uh, that's it. He's going to be staying with uh, Celtic. Uh, Jota, again, a great example of a player. Change of scenery and the amazing things that does for you when you uh, change a scenery and you go to another club. Sometimes you just click. And Celtic, by the way, is a big club in Scotland. Uh, I think they're even worth more on the market than um, you know the club value because of the TV rights uh, and because of, I believe, the British pound. Uh, they're worth more than a lot of the Portuguese clubs um, as uh, well. Other news in Portugal, I've um, got to give you my Arcos do Valvej perspective. Uh, 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 we saw basically Gonçalo Estevez sporting. He's being loaned to Estoril, and I'm bringing him up because he's an Arcos de Valvez native. His brother, Tomás Estevez, uh, of course, who was on Reading uh, a short time ago, was with FC Porto B last season. Another, um, of course, that's his brother, Tomás. Um, he's basically uh, being rumored, I think I had heard maybe Greece, but those uh, pair of Arcos de Valvez products, uh, you know, getting their opportunity to play next year. Hopefully, Tomaj gets to go to a club where he can play regularly. And, of course, I told you last week, Pedro Tiba, another Arcos de Valvez native, he signed with Gil Vicente after playing a number of years uh, in uh, Poland. Um, and uh, those are the ones, and I'll get in a minute with the ones that haven't happened yet. And then managers. we got managers. Nelson Verissimo, I had said about a month ago that I thought he would do a great job managing a club. I thought he would go abroad, though. But he decides to uh, stay local, and he gets the job at Estoril. Uh, Ricardo Suarez, you know, when I did the last episode, I said, hey, look at this. Ricardo Suarez hasn't left Gil Vicente yet. Well, he did. He went to go manage one of the big clubs in Egypt, uh, Al-Halal. Uh, apparently, it was for an offer that he just couldn't uh, turn down. Ivu Vieira, who managed Morey Dance the first half of last season before Sapintu came in. Um, he takes over Agu Vieira back in the first division, uh, you know, managing uh, Gil Vicente. And obviously he's got to get them ready to next month to be playing in the Europa Conference League uh, preliminary. Nuno Spiritu Santo is back in the game. Uh, a lot of people would have thought maybe he would have gone for a big club in Europe, but he got a big offer to go to Saudi Arabia with al Etihad. Uh, I apologize if I'm not pronouncing that name right, but it's not a name I come across every day. Nuno Spiritu Santo basically is back in the game and he's going to go manage in uh, Saudi Arabia, one of their uh, big uh, clubs. And uh, so those are some of the players. I'm, you know, again, I'm going to try to keep this episode short that uh, managers that uh, are basically going to be working in uh, new places. And that's the thing about being a footballer. You got to be prepared to move. You got to be prepared to live in a different city every year. Uh, you're constantly moving around and, and it's no difference with many of the names I just mentioned. Now, a lot of rumors left as we begin, the, as we start to head toward the midway of July. Obviously, Cristiano Ronaldo's been the uh, story. Um, he hasn't reported yet uh, for uh, pre. Um, he hasn't reported yet. My understanding is, is um, you know, he's not going with. Uh, they're going out east for a, an overseas trip, and he's not going with Manchester United. I think it was to Bangkok. 
And again, reports say that Cristiano is not very happy. You've heard about this before. I don't want to repeat this, that he's not very happy with uh, what they've done in the uh, transfer market. And a lot of people have also speculated that Cristiano wants to play in the Champions League. And he doesn't want to play Thursday night football in the Europa. Um, this is a player. Cristiano is what he is, the type of personality that he is. He wants to play in the best, and that's what he wants to do. And uh, he's in Lisbon for personal reasons, is what they've announced. Um, and again, not going to get into that. That's his, you know, his business. But uh, the talk is what will happen in the next week or two. Chelsea was mentioned. Roma was mentioned. Napoli was mentioned. Uh, I think if he's going to go, he's going to want to go to a very, very big club. Uh, Barcelona was mentioned, but that was quickly uh, discounted. Same thing with uh, Bayern Munich. Uh, you know, Cristiano scored 24 goals last year. He could definitely still play. Let's also not forget with Cristiano that you bring a whole industry with you. You know, whoever he signs to play, you're going to immediately gain a few million followers on Instagram and Twitter. I mean, he's just his own industry. He's his own billion-dollar industry. And uh, my only thing with Cristiano is whoever gets him, you know, there's going to be a lot of load management. Let's not forget we got the World Cup, you know, being played uh, coming up in uh, November. So, you know, you're not getting the same Cristiano Ronaldo a year older that, you know, compared to what I think was his day heyday when he was at, uh, you know, Real Madrid. And um, I'm really pulling for him. Uh, I like to see him at Chelsea, to see him continue to play for one of the big European giants, um, you know. And, uh, you know, we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens. But he could still score. Um, I know people that would, you know, they say, well, his mom... You know, kept saying that one day he would go back to sporting. Why not go back now? Because after all, sporting's playing in the Champions League. And, you know, if you think about it from a business perspective, it's not necessarily a bad idea. Uh, he's going to play in the Champions League. He's going to go back home, which is sexy. It's going to help the Liga TV rights. Sporting is going to double all their social media following overnight. It's just the truth because I think they've only got like a million followers on Twitter, several million on Instagram. Cristiano has millions upon millions of followers. It's, it's a very good deal. Um, he would get a chance to play in Portugal. Uh, obviously, great matches with Porto, Benfica, and Braga. Um, and again, he would be playing in the Champions League. But I, I just think, unfortunately, like a lot of people do, Instead of coming back to Portugal to play or instead of coming back to Portugal to manage, they, they want to stay abroad. And if he doesn't go to Chelsea and none of these other big clubs scoop him up, you know, he may have to settle for coming back or he might have to settle going to a club that maybe isn't playing in the Champions League if he doesn't go back to Manchester United. So we'll see what happens. But it doesn't look good the longer he stays away from camp. They need to clarify the situation, him and Man U because uh, the fans are getting very antsy. And, and let's also not forget, there are people that probably bought tickets on this overseas trips, probably to go see Cristiano, and he's not on the trip. And I warned about that two weeks ago, that if there was a possibility that he wouldn't be going, they needed to tell that to the public, because there are people that bought tickets to go see it. But again, it's not Cristiano's fault. You got to get behind this and, and put out word that there's a 50-50 chance of no. But again, that's just, you know, again, that's just my opinion. But other news, obviously the big one also, Sergio Oliveira apparently is going to be sold, according to Pedro Sepulveda, to Galatasaray. Uh, I was surprised it was only for $3 million, but after talking to a few people, he just turned 30 on uh, June the 2nd. Um, apparently, he's not, you know, uh, you know, look, he could have been used in, you know, losing Fabio Vieira and, 
you know, you know, losing Vitinha and the fact that, you know, two years ago, he was a big reason why they had a great season. He helped them beat Juventus to eliminate Cristiano and Juventus from the Champions League. And he obviously did a very good job with Roma, but Roma didn't want to use his purchase price of $13.5 million. They didn't want to activate it. So it seems like he's leaving for a lot less money than he should for a player of his caliber that I think could still uh, contribute. And he's played, he's been playing for a long time. Um, you know, he's been around. He was in Greece uh, before he really took off at uh, Porto. But uh, it seems like it's $3 million. That's a great deal for Galatasaray. They're getting a, a solid player. They're getting a national team type player. And I think if you're Galatasaray, man, let me tell you, we always talk about the Turkish interest in the Portuguese league. Sometimes you think maybe they're getting a player or a manager that maybe is losing it and they're trying to pick up the scraps. They got a good player here. They got a very, very good player for only $3 million. Um, so we'll see. Uh, obviously, the other big news is Trincon. Is he going to go to sporting? Um, there was a, a gentleman on Twitter. Um, he's been right, but at times I think he might be wrong, and that is a gentleman uh, named uh, Rudy Galetti who uh, said something to the effect that uh, the deal with Trincon was only do done, but they have to agree to uh, the fee. Well, that's been the whole problem all along. I think everybody knows he's going to go to Benfica. The problem is they haven't been able to agree for a fee for a month, so I'm not really sure how that's news. But uh, Trincon apparently will be going to Sporting at some point. The question is, is going to be the purchase option. Reports say that Sporting is willing to pay for his salary. And uh, so that's out of the way. The question now is what's going to happen with the purchase option because if this kid comes and he has a fantastic season like Sarabia did, you know, is Sporting going to be able to spend $20 million on him? Um, you know, I mean, the most they've ever, you know, is that possible? Sporting's used to selling players for a lot more than $20 million. They're not used to buying players. Um, so I'll be very curious to see what happens with that. Ricardo Huerta, again, nothing has happened yet. Um, he is a little bit older, but he's not as old as Sergio Oliveira. Um, I think eventually it'll happen for 15 or 20 million, but that's just been one of those things that's been talked about forever in the newspapers. And so far, Ricardo Huerta is still with uh, Braga and uh, waiting for to see what, uh, what happens next. Uh, Luis Maximiano, former sporting goalkeeper that went to Granada, he's being linked to go to Lazio. That'd be a pretty good move for him to go to play in uh, Serie A. Mateus Nunes of Sporting's also been in the news with uh, Chelsea. So we'll see what happens um, with that. Um, I don't think it's going to happen because there just hasn't been a lot of news about it in uh, England. But obviously, if he were to leave, then that would be a big loss for uh, Sporting. Uh, but we'll see. Again, another possibility of a good young Portuguese player playing for one of the big clubs in, um, in uh, Europe. So we'll see. Coming back with part two. Part two of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. Thanks for listening again. Uh, glad to be back after a one-week break. And let me get going here with part two. First off, we have a number of players that are available uh, in the transfer market. Uh, there was a great photo of Ricardo Coresima and Nani. They're working out together in Lisbon looking for the next opportunity. Uh, Coresima, I think, because he was already with Guimarães, probably is willing to stay local. Nani, you kind of get the feeling he may still want to go abroad to play for a, a big club. I'm surprised clubs in Turkey haven't come knocking on the door for him. 
But those are uh, two players that are currently available in the market, and they were uh, making uh, some news this week. We also saw, and this is the section of the podcast where I'm just going to be talking about a lot of different things. Uh, basically, Manchester City is loaning a young 19-year-old Brazilian midfielder, Diego Rosa, to Vizela. So great job by Vizela picking up this uh, prospect. Uh, we saw also some news this week that there could be a potential partnership between Braga and PSG. Uh, enabling some PSG talent to go and uh, play with uh, Braga on loan. I think that's a great deal for uh, Braga being affiliated with PSG and uh, you know picking up some players. Uh, very good players, by the way, on the cheap because they won't have to worry about paying their salary. So I think that's a, a very good move by Braga. Braga, let me tell you, between what they've done making money off of the big three, between what they've done being a top four club in Portugal, Salvador has done a nice job. He's a guy with a big temper. Uh, but he's a guy that deserves a lot of respect for what he's done. The question, though, is can they break the top three consistently? And that's the biggest question, you know, with uh, Braga. Uh, I mentioned about preseason, uh, you know, Porto report. Uh, Newcastle offered $35 million for Pepe. We don't know if there's any truth to that. Andre Almeida of Guimarães is expected to be the next player that might be coming uh, to Porto, the second reinforcement after David uh, Carmo. Uh, Andre Almeida, I think Guimarães values him at around $9 million. Uh, we'll see if Porto uh, go for that. And uh, great uh, video that Porto put out on uh, Thursday, uh, first day of training in the Algarve. They were basically jogging. In a, um, you know, they're down in Algarve, and they were jogging through what looks like just a regular neighborhood, very nice neighborhood. And leading the way with the jogging was uh, Sergio Conceição. And uh, so they're down there in Algarve. And, Conceição, I think, is a big jogger because um, when he was manager, can't remember if it was Braga or Guimarães, he made a promise. I think if they won the quarterfinal match of their Taça de Portugal, um, he said that he would walk home from wherever they were to Braga or Guimarães. Again, I don't remember the location, but I remember it took him like four to five hours, him and his assistant coaches, to literally jog home. Because that was a promise they made if they won. And um, you can look that up. Uh, happened, I think, four or five years ago. This was before he went to uh, Porto. So we're talking probably more than uh, five uh, years ago. Sporting report. Um, obviously, Franco Israel, the Juventus goalkeeper, arrived. They renewed with uh, Chico Lamba. Thiago Lotti looks like he's going to be moved on to Casabilla. I'm a bit surprised about Giovanni Cabral. Um, you know, he was injured. Then he got loaned out to, um, you know, Lazio. And now he's looking to decide his uh, future. And the only thing I could think of with, with Giovanni Cabral, um, and again, this is pure speculation, is, you know, here is somebody, again, if you remember when everything stopped for the pandemic and then football started up again, he was the best player for the final 10 matches of the season in Liga. And then he did pretty well when they started the following year. If I recall, I think he scored the year that Sporting won. He scored some big goals for Sporting off the bench, if I recall correctly. So Giovanni Cabral is a pretty decent player. But then it was kind of a surprise when it happened. You know, he gets loaned out to Lazio. And you just got to wonder, again, pure speculation, that somebody that at one time was being discussed for 15 or $20 million with the English clubs, you know, you know how Portuguese press always do the rumors, um... I'm just surprised about Giovanni Cabral. I'm surprised maybe something happened. There's a falling out with him. Maybe he said he just wanted to leave, period, period. And Sporting said, okay, you could leave. And Lazio is willing to take you. But now now that he's back, they've moved on without him. 
I'm just very surprised about Giovanni Cabral. Um, you know, again, he's done very well. Uh, but again, Giovanni Cabral, like a lot of players, once you start getting into August, if nobody comes after you or if you're not linked with anybody, um, you're not going to get a big opportunity to play for a big club. You might have to sell for a club that you probably never wanted to play for, and you're too young to be doing that. So I'm a bit surprised about Giovanni Cabral. It sounds like something has happened. Um, you know, some people had maybe said the same thing about Sergio Oliveira that maybe had an issue with Conceição. I don't know if that's true. But those things, you know, ma managers take things to the heart, and you just got to wonder if that's uh, the uh, case. But I'm just very surprised about that. Uh, Benfica report, um, Roger Schmidt. Uh, Benfica had an open house uh, opening up the stadium. They had about 23,000 fans that watched them uh, do some training and play uh, a match, you know, an inter-squad uh, scrimmage. Uh, obviously, the big thing with Benfica is they won the battle against Porto. And it's the truth because Porto for a long time was the front runner in the news. But Jerome Victor from Corinthians goes to Benfica, a big coup. Uh, defender Morato might be going away on loan. I was a pretty surprised because I thought he was one of the players for the future. Uh, Enzo Fernandez is starting to be something. Uh, his club was eliminated from the Copa Libertadores. But as I drop this episode, supposedly the manager of this team from River Plate said that he might be sticking around longer and not, you know, him joining Benfica as soon as they finish Copa Libertadores. So Benfica, apparently, from what I read, is not too nervous. They think maybe the manager, because he was eliminated from Copa, you know, the pressures from the fans maybe said that. But uh, Benfica was a little bit concerned, but not too concerned. But this is something that bears watching because Benfica's going to England to train at St. George's. Um, they're going to be playing matches, and they're going to be playing in the Champions League in a few weeks. And... Schmidt has made it clear from before he joined, you know, before he arrived at Benfica to start, that he wanted all his main pieces to be already in camp so that when they go play the Champions League, that this is a team that he's had plenty of time to mold into what he wants as a manager. And obviously, um, you know, if those players aren't here yet, Enzo Fernandez, uh, as an example, then that's a big issue. So we'll have to see what happens. Uh, Grimaldo, uh, Grimaldo is being linked with Arsenal. He had been linked for a long time in the past with Napoli, but that's kind of disappeared. Arsenal are now looking at him. Vlaco Dimos is also in the news as possibly being in the transfer market. And Severovic, which is, it seems like he's been in the news for the longest time, recently with Turkish clubs and now with Mallorca, that might be looking to take him on with uh, an option uh, to uh, buy so that's your uh, big uh, three uh, report, as well as some talk about Braga. Other quick news as I end this episode, Bruno will wear the number eight for Manchester United. That was a pretty big announcement. Torrientes, uh, the club in the second division, they look like they're going to be starting their season, playing their matches at Mafra. If you remember when I talked the last few episodes about how I was going to be following them because of so much family I have in Torres Vedras, that for me it's the next best thing after Atletico do Jarcos, which... Unfortunately, he's in the districts again this year. Um, I'd mentioned that I've been to that stadium at Turiens many times. Very old, but it's got some charm. They obviously, I, from what I understand, they got to do some work on it before they can start playing big-time matches. And that hurts me because I was hoping to go to Torres Vedras to see my family and then obviously go into the city, Torres Vedras, to go see a game. Um, I am more willing if I go to Portugal this summer to go see a smaller team than a bigger team because in the past I've always gone to the big games. I want to see the smaller teams and uh, even if that's a preseason match, I want, to, I want to experience a different environment. So we'll see about that. Uh, Sheffield United, as I told you, is in Portugal, so that's interesting. But 
there's usually a lot more clubs training in Portugal. Not as much this year, I've noticed. Um, just something I've noticed. I, I think a lot of people are staying in their country or maybe just moving around but not using uh, Portugal. Um, if you get a chance, and, and you, by the way, you would need to know real good Portuguese to understand it, I encourage you to visit Baixos de Ferreira on Instagram and Twitter. They had a fantastic video. They did the same thing last year, and they did another one this year where they announced their schedule in terms of who they play week to week. And they do this video that is hilarious. Hilarious the way they poke fun at the big clubs, the stereotypes of some of the clubs, the nicknames of some of the clubs, the mascots of some of the club. I've watched that video four or five times, man, and I'm going to probably watch it again after I'm done with this because it is just hilarious. And, um, you know, it, it's just fun. So if you get a chance, go to the Pastors de Freire Twitter account, scroll down to the video, you'll see, um, you know, the beaver to start, and then eventually it gets going, and you'll see it's a, it's a lot of fun. So I encourage you to uh, check it out. And let me wrap up here. Um, Transfer Market, one of the most respected names in um, uh, terms of player values, did a, did a uh, thing where they announced the 10 most valuable leagues in the world. And Liga, Portugal, came in seventh, uh, which when you take into account the big three, Braga's doing well, all the players that are sold from Portugal, it's not really a surprise. And um, so Portugal is the seventh most valuable league in the world. Major League Soccer, by the way, came in eighth. I know a lot of people saw some sarcastic remarks about it on uh, social media, but I got to be honest with you, uh, MLS, you know, they may not have a club in MLS that could compete with a Porto, Benfica, or even a sporting with Ruben Amarim. I don't know about a sporting six, seven years ago that was struggling. Um, but all those other clubs in MLS, their facilities are unbelievable. They all play in very nice stadiums. Have you ever been to Red Bull Arena? Very nice. Um, you know, if you've been to some of the stadiums, they, they're a little bit more on solid footing than a lot of Portuguese clubs. So I'm not surprised to see Major League Soccer in uh, eighth place at all in I'm a regular person that attends uh, Red Bulls, New York Red Bulls, and New York City FC games. Um, so I'm not surprised. I'm not really surprised to see MLS only in eighth place behind Portugal in seventh, but that just tells you about the Liga and, and what they do. Um, folks, I'm going to wrap it up here. Episode 125. Again, glad to be back, and I'll be here again uh, next week. Uh, We'll see what happens with the uh, transfer window. Are we going to have surprises like Sergio Oliveira going to Galatasaray or Ricardo Suarez taking a, j a job with a big team in Egypt? Um, got preseason starting. Looking forward to the women's national team. Give them a, a chance to give them a watch. Why not? You've got nothing to lose. European Championships getting a lot of attention in uh, Europe, so I encourage you to check it out. And if you're going to Portugal uh, in the next few weeks or in the next week or so, enjoy. Looking forward to getting there uh, myself. Uh, tickets are expensive in my part of the world. And I just found out today that uh, my flight out of Porto that I like to take that leaves at like 4.30 or 5. Um, and I love that flight. It used to be daily, if I recall, because you could pretty much spend the whole day in Portugal instead of taking the 10.30 flight out of Lisbon in the morning. You know, you get to spend an extra six hours in Portugal. Apparently that flight is down to two days a week. I think Saturday and Wednesday. And who wants to come back on a Sunday when you know there's matches on a Sunday? I mean, come on. Um, but I would like to have come back on a Monday. That would have enabled me. So I got to figure all that out. Um, and, all, and then obviously, as you know, if you've been flying, there's a lot of chaos with the flying these days. Uh, not just in the States, but it's going on in Europe too. A lot of issues in uh, Portugal as well. Anyway, folks, going to wrap up episode 125. Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict. Tune in. 
You can also listen to it on the website, portuguesesoccer.com. Any questions or comments or criticism, peacesoccercom at gmail.com. Next week, I'm going to be doing, uh, um, you know, follower comments again, so feel free to comment on any tweets, and I'll get it in next week on a regular basis. I uh, just didn't really have a chance this week to put it uh, together. And, uh, folks, take care of yourselves, and I'll talk to you next time. Ciao, everybody.